welcome and welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. We are at episode 25, this is your co host, Tina, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, the Puma, and our senior contributor, Eric Burgess, aka the Burgess. Folks, welcome in, post draft podcast. How are you? Football is right around the corner. I, I got that. I got that hit. Felt like you know shooting up heroin. I guess you could say. Been <laughs> deprived of a football for a bit, and you know got got my fix on on draft night. And uh, it was interesting. I mean, there was there was so much going on and so much noise going on just hours before the draft and all the the trade flurries and, and whatnot in the first round. It was uh, it was must see TV despite all the. BS of you know the pre, I guess the pre-show stuff, but yeah, I can live with it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, the offseason is finally done for most teams. The free agency period has come and gone. The draft has come and gone. The only thing left now on the calendar is that schedule release in the middle of May, and then we're two and a half months away from you know training camp starting. So, Verge, on your end, did you watch the draft? How did you feel? Is it cool to watch some football action? Um, you know, give us your thoughts. You know, I, I think back to last year, you know, when right in the, the start of this COVID-19 pandemic and, you know, the NFL draft last year was the first sporting event live on TV that we got in probably, I think it was probably two months almost at that point. It was really nice to see them there in person. You know, not all the players were there, but it was nice to see, you know, Goodell on the stage again, even though he brought his recliner with him, which I thought that was kind of corny, but you know, that is what it is. But, you know, it was just great. I watched uh, the first round. I watched uh, probably up to when the Patriots picked, and then I had, to, I had to work the next morning. So I went to bed and then watched a little bit of the second round on Friday night. But, you know, it was great to, you know, just have some football to talk about again, you know, gearing up for the offseason for fantasy. So it's been, it's been all hype city over here. Yep, yep. And just like you, Burge, I watched up until the Patriots pick, and then I blacked out for the rest of the night. Oh my God! Hey, all right, he ain't wrong. I, I, he wasn't I, I, talking a whole lot after. I was, like, I was like, I'm just gonna go stay in my corner and just call it a night, bro. This is it. This is it for me. It's a wrap. That took, that took two minutes to bring up. <laughs> it was almost like it was almost like Jay, Jay grunt twice if you want a soda. All right, like he wasn't saying anything. He wasn't speaking. He wasn't laughing at any jokes. Nothing. It's like, Jay, grunt twice if you want a soda. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I kind of got that when you were when you went silent in the Twitter chat, when it was like, hey, Jay, you went silent. Where are, where are you at? Are you okay? <laughs> listen, I, I, listen, I have grown a lot. Usually in my, you know, past, you know, younger, immature days, I would have just, like, unloaded on whoever was texting me, right? But I told you, buddy, I was like, listen, I cannot do this tonight. I cannot argue with you tonight because I'm, I'm sure I'm going to say something to regret. So let me sleep on this, and then tomorrow we can pick this up. Was so that pissed. is personal growth, okay? That's personal, that's personal growth. It, it got to the point where I actually had to text Puma and be like, dude, is he is he all right? Is he, is he all right? Like, what's going on well, let's over there? Give, let's give some context. Jacob said he was going to drive his truck off a bridge. He was going to hang himself in the closet. And then like, out of nowhere, Burgess is like, Brandon, is, uh, is Jay good? Like, is he all set? I'm like, no, nah, he's fine. I did take the sharp objects away, but he's okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> To uh, to quote Dusty Rhodes, hard times, hard times, Daddy. Yeah, for you, not for me. We're good. As, there uh, we go. As, as you can tell, I'm not a big fan of Mac Jones' uh, uh, pick, but we will get to all of that. So, give you guys a quick rundown of the podcast. 
I'm going to give you guys, you know, the first 15 and how the, the draft shook out. We're going to react to that and some of the big storylines come out of the first 15 picked. And then from there, we'll talk about winners and losers. And then Burge is going to have the uh, fantasy with the, uh, I'm sorry, bullets with Burge segment, correct? It's been, yes. it's been a while since we did that. It's been that, a while. So. Yep. Exactly. So I forgot the, the name for a quick second. But Burge is going to jump in, give you guys some uh, intel on the rookies and some dynasty. So uh, we're looking forward to it. Are you guys ready to do this? Yeah. Let's go. All right, let's roll. I know, Bird, you sound a little nervous there. You okay? (laughs) I just know what's coming, and it's... uh, All right, let's get into it. (laughs) All right, so (laughs) the draft started out very predictably. Um, The Jacksonville Jaguars took uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, The New York Jets took Zach Wilson. Uh, At number three, that's when the draft really started. And, uh, you know, to all of our surprise, Trey Lance went to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, at the fourth spot, the Atlanta Falcons took Kyle Pitts. At the five spot, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals took Jamar Chase. The Miami Dolphins took Jalen Waddell at the uh, number six spot. Penny Sewell fell all the way down to the Lions at number seven. J.C. Horn went to the Panthers at eight. Patrick Sartain went to the Broncos at nine. Devontae Smith went to the Philadelphia Eagles at ten. Justin Fields went to the Chicago Bears at eleven, and the Chicago Bears actually moved up and traded. With the um, who did they trade with? They traded with the Giants. The Giants. I, I had a heart yeah. attack. Yep, yep. Dave Gettleman finally uh, moved back, and Puma had a had a heart attack. It was kind of insane. Um, Mika Parsons went to the Dallas Cowboys. Rashawn Slater uh, of North Northwestern went to the, uh, the Chargers. Uh, at fourteen, Elijah Ver Tucker went to the Jets, and then finally, my New England Patriots unfortunately took Big Mac Jones out of Alabama. So that is the top fifteen. Um, and from there, fellas, I'm going to open it up to you guys. Uh, if you want to jump in first, Burge, or you, Brandon, whoever wants to go first, just give me your initial impressions. What's some of the storylines you guys um, you know, were intrigued by out of the first 15? Oh, Burge, that's all. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, to start, um, obviously Trey Lance going to San Francisco at three. You know, some of the reports coming out that, you know, Shanahan and, and Lynch didn't even tell the coaching staff who they were going to take there. And based on some of the comments, it was definitely between um, him and Mac Jones. Just if you listen to the way that uh, Shanahan was talking, the two names that he was always bringing up was, was Trey Lance and Mac Jones. So that was that was an interesting pick. Um, for me, Cincinnati going chase, I understand why they did it. I don't necessarily agree with it, given what they have there. Um, I would have liked to have seen them take an offensive tackle there, uh, either Sewell or, or Slater at that point. Um the Carolina pick of J.C. Horn kind of surprised me a little bit, being that high. Um, I would have thought they would have either gone with a receiver there or um, even, you know, you know, with Justin Fields slipping, had them uh, either take him or trade out. You know, a lot of the reports you heard that they were in love with what Justin Fields was. So uh, that was interesting. Uh, one of the biggest uh, intriguing storylines for me was Denver taking a corner at number nine when, you know, all the talk going into the draft was they were going to be eyeing a quarterback. I don't know if that trade with uh, with Carolina for, for for Teddy Bridgewater there had a uh, had a play in that, but um, you could you knew Jerry Jones was upset with that, and it was evident when he traded out of number ten. They they were clearly targeting a corner, um, you know, defensive side of the ball at that point, and um, Denver kind of I think screwed that up for him. So um, Chicago giving a king's ransom to move up to eleven. To get Fields was was very interesting for me. I know we talked about this last week that Chicago was kind of the dark horse to, to trade up from twenty. Them in Pittsburgh, so that that kind of came to fruition there. Um, 
And then, of course, you know, New England taking Mac Jones. I, I'll start. I'll, I'll give my rundown of that pick right now. I'm. I was underwhelmed when when they when they selected him there. You know, it's not a sexy pick. I'm not mad. I'm not excited or like jubilant for that pick. But the team addressed a need, and I think it's clear based on how quickly that they they got that pick in that. Mac Jones was a guy they were they were really targeting in this draft, and he happened to fall in their lap. So again, time will tell about him. You know, there's definitely some question marks about him. You know, Jay, you and I have gone back and forth on this so much at nauseum, almost to the point where I'm throwing up trying to talk about it's it. It's only you. been three days. It's only been three it's, days. I know, and it's going to continue. <laughs> We've got a long way to go, buddy. But you know what? For for me, they. You know what? The the only re- way for the Patriots that I was going to be very very upset with the team is if they traded fifteen and they traded out for three seconds and two fourths. You know, and and to quote Puma, trading for the Arby's and Subway coupons while do- sucking down a foot long, making okay, that trade. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> the point is they. That. The point is they didn't do it. They stayed where they were. They addressed their need. Uh, the most critical need that everybody has been harping on them since Brady left, that they have no plan at quarterback. Now there's a plan. Now it's time to see if their plan is going to work or it's going to fail. So, you know, for me, I like the pick. I'm happy with the pick. I'm not excited about it. I'm not angry about it. I'm just kind of bleh about it. We'll see how it goes. So the official stance is you're under one with the pick, but you're going you're gonna to give him the benefit of the doubt, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and see what he is, you know. What do you have? Like a, I think the odds I, I read somewhere is like fifty-two percent chance of hitting on a quarterback in the first round. Mm-hmm. So it's a toss-up either way. From everything you heard about Mac Jones, he's one of the more NFL-ready guys. He's smart. He he gets the ball out quick. He's accurate. Kind of fits what the Patriots are doing on offense. I think this obviously this pick tells you that they're not going to try to mold their offense around a Cam Newton-style quarterback uh, at this point. So he fits what their offense. Uh, has done in the past with Brady. If he can be half of what Brady is, I am. Ex- I'm, I'm going to be ecstatic about that. Okay. Okay. Um, Brandon, uh, floor is yours, sir. What uh, what stood out to you? Yeah, just really to <clears throat> kind of echo the the Cincinnati Bengals pick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like like Burge said, like I understand, like Jamar Chase was you know Joe Burrow's you know go to guy at LSU, but the fact of the matter is, despite you know, Joe Burrow living in my very young gambling career lore of also being known as Joey Covers because the Bengals, for the most part, covered in in and out, uh, you know, game in, game out, up until he got hurt. You have to get, you have to go offensive, offensive lineman at five. Uh, you, you can just look at the, uh, I, I, I know I said it last week, but the photo of the jersey reveal where, I mean, his knee is clearly swollen still. That scar looks nasty. And, you know, having Jamar Chase there isn't going to help if you can't, you know, protect the investment in Joe Burrow. So, like, I just hope, you know, they're not going to Andrew Luck Joe Burrow uh, with not protecting the investment until it's until it's way too late. <clears throat> um, the Kyle Pitts pick, um, I know... The end is nigh for for Matt Ryan, but with all these reports coming out that Julio Jones is more than likely going to be shipped after July 2nd, 
you're going to need playmakers on that offense, and you can line up Kyle Pitts. He's not a traditional tight end. You can li- He's almost like a Jimmy Graham type. Uh, you can line him up outside. You can put him inside closer to the line. I just wouldn't really expect him to produce a whole lot in the blocking scheme of things. And then down to number 14, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker for the Jets. It's, you know, Joe Douglas finally understands that it doesn't matter if you take a quarterback high. It doesn't mean shit if uh, you can't protect the guy. And, you know, Joe Douglas is an offensive uh, offensive lineman kind of guy. And I think you put Vera Tucker with uh, with Mekhi Becton. That's, that's going to do wonders uh, for the new franchise quarterback, the New York Jets, and Zach the Mormon Missile uh, Wilson over there. So, I mean, all in all, like, I, I, some of these picks were interesting. Um, the Justin Fields one – I'm going to get to that in my winners and losers and the aspect of the the New York Giants uh, as a potential winner in this whole draft. But, yeah, the the Chicago Bears need a quarterback in the worst way. But now they they have three guys, one guy that thinks he's going to automatically be the starter, especially according to Chicago Bears social media calling uh, Andy Dalton quarterback one. And now you have, uh, you know, Nick Foles on on the hook for $9 and nobody's going to trade for that contract. So, you know, good on you, Chicago Bears. Way to go. You don't you don't want to give us your thoughts on uh, the Patriots taking Mac Jones? No, I'll leave I'll leave that. To okay, you. I'll leave right. that to you. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> all right. So for me, man, listen, the, the draft. <laughs> what does that even mean? The draft really started at number three, right? Um, we all were like, "Who is San Francisco going to go to?" There's a lot of smoke out there that's going to be Trey Lance or Mac Jones. I am personally in the belief that if you trade up and give up three first-rounders, you better damn well know who you're going to be picking at number three. I don't think that they blindly went for number three and decided to take Trey Lance on the day of the draft. I think deep down and somewhere in his conscience, I think Kyle Shanahan knew Trey Lance was going to be it just because he wasn't sold on Mac Jones. And the fact that the Mac Jones was connected to San Francisco so hardcore, where every single week you saw somebody reporting that it's a done deal going to the 49ers, looking back, it really screams like, man, we, we went along for a ride. Essentially, they hoodwinked us, right? That's the way I see how the 49ers... Uh, Trey Lance pick turned out. I do like Trey Lance. I think he's a little raw. I think he'll be perfect in that system in about a year or so sitting behind Jimmy G. Uh, I think he's going to be absolutely dynamite in that offense. Now moving down, I think the one uh, one team that I, I, just a little bit of a precursor, I have the Bengals as losers in my uh, wins and losers and that Jamar Chase pick, I think all three of us agree. Like you cannot you know, especially with Joe Burrow coming off of a season-ending ACL injury, you cannot go and take a wide receiver in the first round. I know they're best buds. I know they play at LSU. I know they get along great. But I think in that in that instance, you've got to save your young rookie quarterback from himself and give him the protection he needs. They should take in Penny Sewell, number five. Now, moving further down, I absolutely love Jalen Waddle. You guys know how much I absolutely loved about him, raved about him for, for weeks on end. Um, and I think the, the Miami Dolphins uh, absolutely stole him at number six. Um, he's going to be wonderful. Penny Sewell going to the Lions was a great pick as well. Now, further down, I think... With uh, Justin Fields, um, you guys know how much I loved him. Um, I, I still believe that the Patriots had a, 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 a really good opportunity to move from 15 to 11 and take a generational quarterback. Um, you know, obviously he's a little raw still. you got to work with him. And I think, you know, in a year, year and a half, two years, he could be a Deshaun Watson type of player. Unfortunately, they passed on him. Um, I think moving 15 to 11, only four spots could have been fairly doable for the Patriots. But they kind of stuck. Uh, they, they stayed at 15 and they took... One Mac McCorkle Jones from Alabama. 
Uh, and I cannot tell you how much I dislike the pick. Um, I've been going back and forth with... <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I absolutely hate this pick. I hate everything about Mac Jones. I think, you know, the, the one thing people need to understand is, you know, after the season is over, there was an initial flurry of mock drafts that came out once Alabama won the national championship uh, from over Ohio State. And in those initial mock drafts, Mac Jones wasn't even in the first round. He was late first, early second. A lot of people had him in that really late round, in that really late first or early second um, position. Now, obviously, as we get closer to draft day, quarterbacks start shooting up the draft board. You know, stories start coming out. A lot of it is false, and it's essentially it's just lying season. And you know, Mac Jones catapulted all the way up to number three in some of these mock drafts that people were convinced is going to go to the 49ers. I think all that was a smokescreen. I think Mac Jones is a, is a borderline, um, I don't want to say trash. I think he's just like an average quarterback. People say he's a winner, but unfortunately, every single person that comes out of Alabama is a winner. He's just another A.J. McCarron to me. You know, at his ceiling, he could be a Kirk Cousins, um, but I think he's just another regular quarterback, and I think we're in for a long three years as a Patriots. Um, I was hoping Bill Belichick would be able to see through all that facade, see through the fact that people are just lying out their asses and Mac Jones isn't a, uh, isn't a first-rounder, but unfortunately he got hoodwinked as well. And now we've got to sit here and wonder what's going to happen for the next three years. And, and to be frank, I don't like it one bit. Any, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not, I mean, it's not surprising. I mean, you have, uh, you know, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban having, uh, you know, sweater swaps every year uh so i mean i mean let's be honest like save is going to tell his boy whatever you know everything he's going to kind of want to hear and i mean i'm with you jay i didn't i didn't like i didn't like the pick either um considering what the bears had to trade with uh old faithful uh dave gettleman mr anti i don't trade back um they, they gave up a future first rounder just to move up that many spots to go to 11 uh, I, I would like to think Bill Belichick, for all the respect he still has for the New York Giants, he could have made a phone call and he could have caught, uh, cut a deal with, with Dave Gettleman. And it probably, and, and, and the reality of things, to move up four spots, I don't think it would have cost that much. And then um, I, I think there, would have been, there was a deal to have been made there. Well, I think, so, and, so, and, and, and I'll let you go here in a second, Birch, but I think the other point I left out was I, I really do feel that Bill Belichick is just trying to get lazy. Like, he is flat out starting to get lazy with some of his draft picks. He's just relying heavily on people that are, you know, in the know with him, his friends, people he trusts. And, like, I understand that you trust these people, but at the end of the day, you've got you've to take their input, go back, and think for yourself, like, who am I going to be taking? Like, he, he did this with Greg Schiano out of Rutgers. He did this for years with Earl Meyer out of Florida. Now he's doing it with Alabama, and now he's also doing it with Michigan. This is the third year in a row he's taken a Michigan defender, all because Josh McDaniel's uh, brother works on the Michigan staff. Like, there's a, a pipeline there. And, like, I, like, I'm not trying to say that relations don't matter. I mean, they matter in all facets of life, but I feel like he's starting to get very lazy and just, like, not putting the work in and just taking people that... That you know, essentially, they're just taking players that are being told they should be taken. What do you think it would have cost for them to move up? Let's th- throw some numbers on it. Not I a think first, probably a seconder, probably a second. I think a second. I mean, I think Let's that's see. that's that's doable with the uh, with fifteenth overall pick and a second rounder. A second and a fourth, and maybe like a future 
mid mid round draft pick. I mean, it's definitely not like you're not giving up a first next year to move up four spots. Like Chicago had to do that mm-hmm. because where were they originally picking twenty? Like they had to jump so many spots to do that. And um, I, I think you could have gotten away with it with uh, maybe like a second or a third, maybe some See, other chump change. I think especially it was the take relationship that he had with the with the Giants. So. I think it would have taken two seconds to move up that high. Plus, and you know what? Considering you have Justin Fields, who listen, I am the biggest detractor of Ohio State. I am not going to front, but the fact of the matter is, is Justin Fields is mobile. He can make throws on the run. He can stand there in the pocket and take a beating. And you know, Mac Jones is a statue. I mean, we've got we've been on this show for a while now, where we say that the the NFL is transforming away from the pure pocket passer that is Mac Jones. And you know, listen, I am not in the best shape of my life at this point. But like, unless this kid is going to be dropping dropping some poundage to to start moving around and and be mobile enough to move the sticks, you know, I don't know, man. I I think that I think Justin Fields would have been more more of a, of a, of a better pick, I should say, just because he would open up so much more of the offense to, you could do, you could do option kind of plays. You could do the offense that you were trying to do with Cam Newton at the beginning of the year before he got, before he got run down with COVID. Like it, it wouldn't be that type of drop off. You wouldn't have to reinvent the wheel when by week eight, let's assume, but that week eight's going to be the benchmark for when Mac Jones might start, depending on when the bye weeks are like he is uh-huh. not, he does not have the same skill set as Cam Newton. So if you put Mac Jones in there, now you're going to have to change the entire playbook around one for the rookie to, to, to have him succeed. So I, I, I think it would have been almost plug and play if you put Justin Fields in there. I don't think that they're, they 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 have an interest in making that move to to that style of offense. I think they want to continue doing what they're doing, and that is drop run the rock and, with with the running backs and, and have dip and dunk quick passes. I think that's what they want to do, just like what they were doing with Brady. I think that is what they want to emulate in some capacity. Now, obviously, Mac Jones is not going to be Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the goat. He is his performance will never ever be matched. He is so far ahead of everybody else that plays the game that no matter who you throw in there, no one is going to, to to get that. If you get half of what Tom Brady brought to you out of Mac Jones, you're going you're going to be in the mix every year. In my opinion. If they if they can operate, he's smart, he's not turning the ball over. He he, he goes out, he he makes these quick passes, he finds the right guys, he goes through his reads. Everything you hear about Mac Jones is he's a smart guy. He understands the game. He's able to pick up the playbook, and he's able to go through these reads and be accurate with the passes. That's that's what they want. Now, again, he is he is limited in his physical, you know, being able to run the ball. He's faster than Tom Brady was coming out of college. He probably still is, obviously, because Brady's aged. Who, who who's to say he can't scramble? I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna run the rock, take the rock down, be like be like Sean Watson, freaking run, you know, run thirty yards down the field. But he's going to be able to make the decision to tuck it down and and, and run and pick up the yards the defense gives him. That's yeah, how like, I feel. Yeah, for me, like you know, I understand the allure of taking a pocket passer if he was heads and shoulders above the rest of the field with his passing skills. But he's not. He's at. He's above average at best, uh, and he's probably like I would say maybe the third best passer out of all all, all five of them. Um, like, I, I think, you know, if, if you came to me and gave the proposition that this guy is just going to sit in the pocket and just pick you apart, 
I don't think that's who he is. Like, you know, essentially, you know, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to have to lean heavily on the run run game. He's going to be a guy that's going to have to essentially have the team kind of like, you know, pick him up in a way. And, and, you know, I made the argument with you that we already had a Mac Jones on the roster in Jared Stidham. Except, you know, you came back with Mac Jones had a, a better mental capacity or whatever, whatever you said. So with that being said, you know, do you see Mac Jones being starter week one? Because for me, I, I expect him to be the starter week one. Like if you're going to come back and tell me that he is so much better in his mental makeup than, than Jared Stidham, then he should be out there week one. And I expect him to be out there week one and see if he can give us anything of, of value. I, I, I don't hold that expectation. Like you, I, I believe that, you know, you, you look at every player that's come through a lot of the players that come through New England. I won't say every player cause that's how I'm going to get myself in trouble. But a lot of the people, a lot of the players that come through here end up redshirting for, for a good portion of their rookie season. They don't end up playing all that much. And you see that kind of that leap in year two, year three with these guys. And I, I don't think it'll be any different for the quarterback, but you know, they only have Cam Newton. So if Cam Newton comes in and he blows for the first four weeks, Odds are you're going to see Mac Jones, but if I'm if you're asking me right now who's going to be the Week One starter for the Patriots, I believe it will be Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. I just think that the Patriots the Patriots system and the way they operate is 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 vastly complicated. That in in you saw last year when they dumbed it down, it didn't really work for for Cam Newton. They were kind of forced into that <coughs> based on what happened and based how they managed. You know, they didn't have a, a serious plan at quarterback going into last season with Brady leaving. And I think you saw you saw that come come out with with the way the team played all last year. So I personally don't want them to rush him. I want him, I want him to be put in when he's when when they are 100 percent sure he's ready to handle a majority of that playbook. Rushing him in there is not going to do anybody any good unless he is truly 100 percent ready. Hmm. Uh, Puma, when do you think uh, we'll be seeing Mac Jones in the field? Uh, let's see. Again, this is pending what the schedule release is, but my barometer is going to be you know, like the week eight threshold, mm-hmm. and um, I I would like I would like to think that he's going to be starting prior to week eight, just because this is a team that, despite who they were taking in the first round, not who, but like where they were going to be drafting, if they're going to trade up, as if everybody was peddling that Kool Aid that Bill Belichick's going to be super aggressive in the draft and it's going to move up and get his guy. Um, it was going to be a quarterback in the first round. Everybody and their brother knew it was going to be a quarterback in the first round. Um, and you know, Jay, like you, you, you have this rule as well too, that if you're taking the first round of quarterback, you are starting, like you are mm-hmm. starting the first year. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, and if my guy, uh, you know, coach flow, uh, a, a disciple of, uh, the Belichick tree pushed out there, um, to a tongue of Iloa, which everyone thought he was going to be redshirted all of last year, given the injury history. Yeah. I fuck. Yeah. I fully expect Mac Jones to start and you know Bill Belichick can say all he wants you know the old man can say all he wants that you know Cam Newton's our guy and we're, we're gonna sit Mac Jones until he's ready and whatnot probably paraphrasing a couple of interviews he did but the fact of the matter is is if you look through the tea leaves Bob Kraft has turned up the heat on a lot of things over the last couple of months with the free agency moves and they're approaching the draft and if if we're gonna sit here and it's you know 
week four, week five, and they're kind of treading water, you know, at the 500 mark. And, you know, Cam Newton's not looking that great. It's like last year all over again. And everybody and their brothers calling a WEI and 98.5 calling for Mac Jones to start. At some point, you're going to acquiesce to the fans. And, you know, we, we haven't seen Bob Kraft do this a whole lot, but he has done it where he has thrown his weight around. And I think he understands that this fan base needs to get back to winning and needs to get back going quick. They didn't just spend $150 million in guaranteed money this year just to, you know, kind of babysit the, the first-round quarterback they, that they took if Cam Newton's stinking the join-up. So I fully expect him to start at some point this year. I, th- I think it'll be an open competition in camp, no matter what they say and what, what, what's being said in the press about Cam Newton being the guy. It's, th- there's going to be a competition in camp, and if Mac Jones comes in and wows him and, and, and takes the job, which is what I think all of Patriot Nation is hoping for, uh, that, then you'll see him start week one. But at the, at the end of the day, if, he, if he's not there yet, they're not going to just put him in a situation to fail and then throw him out there. They'll they'll throw they'll they'll waste Cam Newton. I think last year was a perfect example of them wasting Cam Newton, just saying, "Go out there and and, and do it. We're not going to bench you." And now, was that wasting Cam, or was that knowing what you had in Stidham? Because I was the biggest guy that said Stidham's the leader in the clubhouse at the beginning of the of last season. So was I. And and then by, what was it, week eight, when they kept throwing Cam Newton out there, it's like, I feel like this is a bigger indictment on Stidham than the fact of we're just going to waste Cam Newton. Like I know we talked about this last year on the pod, was that maybe there was some sort of backdoor you know, handshake agreement saying, Cam, we're not going to bench you. And maybe you know it got to a point where it's like, well, don't throw Stidham out there if he's going to be in a position to fail you know at that point again it didn't matter like you know you needed to see what you had in the guy and you know he should have been playing at the end of the year but um why why what's wrong with the mentality of just throwing cam newton out there and just have him sink with the ship you know that went look at if he goes out there and and he had he had been good he would have gotten paid this year but he's back on a $3 million guaranteed contract as the backup quarterback in New England. So, yeah. at worst, the backup quarterback, possibly the starter. So, you think Belichick's going to carry three quarterbacks in a regular season, or is he going to cut somebody? Um, and if he's going to cut somebody, who's he cutting? Because uh, I think I think Jared Stidham might be cuttable here uh, as, as training camp ends. Because... He, uh, go ahead, sorry. No, no I mean, no. like I, I think Cam, you know, for the most part, I would love – for Mac Jones to win the starting job, um, and and if he is everything that people say he says he is, and he's the second most pro ready quarterback, then he should be winning that that quarterback spot. But I, I do believe Cam Newton is gonna be starting quarterback week one, um, and I think Justin is gonna become expendable, and they're gonna cut him uh, as the training camp ends. Yeah, I I they, I think he seems like he he's. I mean, you 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 follow what he's been doing all off season. I think he knows his uh, his time is limited. And he's got to try to show something here. Uh, it, it won't surprise me if they carry the three. I mean, they did it. They did it last year, you know, with Hoyer, uh, Hoyer, Newton, and and Stidham. It won't surprise me if they do it again. I think Stidham has what two years left on his contract, yeah. or one, two or one. Uh, two. one, two. Okay, whatever. No, it, yeah, he's, he'll have two years left uh, going into camp. So you know, maybe they they hang on to him and and Newton. I mean, Newton's not costing them anything. 
Stidham's not costing them anything. In the, I mean, unless they're in dire need of the roster spot, you know, come cut down day, um, I think there's a good chance that you'll see you'll see both all three of them again back next year. Uh, but I would agree with you that I think that that the Cam Newton spot, if they don't do anything else at quarterback, which I don't expect them to, I think Cam Newton's spot is pretty safe, and I think Stidham would be the one on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. What and I want to elaborate on a point that Puma brought up because I heard it quite a bit today on 98.5 and WEI, I was listening to my podcasts, there seems to be this thought process that maybe Bill Belichick didn't make that pick at 15, that maybe there was pressure from Bob Kraft and ownership to kind of step in and help him make that decision. Um, There's, you know, reports by Ben Bowen that kind of suggest that. Um, I'm of the mindset that, you know, the Ernie Adams retirement wasn't coincidence. I I know it's uh, a little conspiratorial here on my part, which I hate to do, but I think there might be something to be said about how Robert Kraft has approached this offseason, the stuff he said, the amount of money he's paid, and some of the shakeups that are happening. Uh, I think there might be a serious, you know, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to actually help you with this process because I don't trust your thought process uh, in Bill Belichick. What do you say to that, Burge? I think it's entirely possible, and I think that the Ernie Adams thing is 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 very coincidental at this point. Um, you know how they've been kind of pushing that, uh, you know, in the reports lately. Uh, when he was a guy you never never really heard from, mm-hmm. um, you know, from the last twenty years, he was kind of that guy behind the scenes. Um, you know, he had he he contributed a lot to the last twenty years of the of the Patriots and their success. Um, there's definitely, you know, I think there's some a little bit of fuel to that fire, but with with Mac Jones being in Alabama there, and you know, with the Patriots not trading up for the guy, I think I think there would be more of a more legs to stand on um, with with Kraft really influencing the decision if they traded up for a guy, mm. where Mac Jones fell to them at 15. And he's from Alabama, which obviously we've gone over and over again about the connection there between the Patriots and Alabama. I think there is a strong possibility that going through their draft evaluation that he was a guy that they were okay with taking, uh, were good with taking at 15 without trading up. And, you know, if him or Fields fell to them, they were going to be happy with either one of them. So that, that does, that's kind of where I stand on it. Let me ask you a hypothetical. Let's say Fields and Jones were there at 15. Who do you think Belcher goes with in that regard? Oof. I don't like dealing with these. I No, he trades back for three arms gift cards and a subway. Uh, no, subway no, no, no. No, no, no. Him, him actually taking somebody at 15 is aggressive, Puma. Come on, what's wrong with you? I think that he probably – you're going to hate me for saying this, but I, I think he was probably going to take Mac Jones either way. Wow. Okay. All right, so you're, so yeah. you're all on the Mac Jones uh, bandwagon, huh? No, 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 no. I, come on, I said I said I'm underwhelmed by it. I'm just blah about it. Uh, okay. I, I come on. I was I was here last week saying that I wanted them to I wanted them to go up for Fields. That was ideal, and I didn't I didn't really care to get Mac Jones. Mm. What was your uh, thoughts on the report that um, Elijah Ver Tucker was going to be their pick? However, unfortunately, <laughs> Jets snagged him up at the last minute. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I, I did see that, and I thought that was very interesting because I was I was wondering why the Jets tried to leapfrog the Patriots there. Mm-hmm. Why do they Why do they feel the need to leapfrog the Patriots there when you figured you know everybody I think and their mother knew that 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 quarterback was going to be going off the board you know once Fields went and then obviously the 
from 11 to 15, you knew nobody was going to really be interested in taking a quarterback. So I, I thought that was a very interesting move, and I think there might be some 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 legs behind that because, you know, they just lost Tooney, and they have Cam Newton. They want to protect him as best they can. I, I think there's some legs to that, and I think there would have been more of an uprising if they had done that and passed on Mac Jones than them actually taking Mac Jones at 15. Yeah, listen, I mean, all the reporting you're getting, all the feeling you're getting, I don't think that they really liked Mac Jones. I really don't think Belichick deep down loved Mac Jones. I think he really wanted to go with that Elijah Vera Tucker kid. And there was even reports out of, um, you know, Arizona that said that they were shocked and stunned that Xavier Collins wasn't taken at 15 by um, by the Patriots. So there seems to be a lot of smoke here. Uh, I'm of the belief that Mac Jones was forced onto Belichick. Um, I mean, you saw that little clip that Patriots.com Twitter page sent out about how it's all a collaborative effort, how everybody kind of like went around the room. And it was like, Mm -hmm. obviously, it was all forced, but it's trying to change a narrative. And I think there is some truth to the fact that I think ownership is trying their best to take some of the power away from from Belichick. And, And truthfully, I applaud them. I mean, this is one of the first good things that Robert Kraft has done in years. I mean, I was, you know, not happy when he let Brady walk out the door. Um, I was ha- not happy with a couple of things that he's done, but for for the first time in a long time, I am ecstatic if he's actually reining in uh, Bill Belichick, aka Bill Bill Bella Fraud, um, aka the most overrated head coach in NFL history. Oh my God! <laughs> wow. I will say this: if, if if he is stepping in and and helping with the draft, I'm I'm okay with it. Um, I, you can you can debate me all day long about the coaching, Bill Belichick, but we are uh, we, we I think you and I actually agree with the fact that he has not been good at drafting uh, for the last four years, five years. Even though he has had some hits, um, you know, just not in the skill position areas where you know you kind of need to have those uh, those hits. Just, so just, just, just that sentence alone, he's had some hits, except for in the skill positions. You know, the, that that's no hits there. You got it's that like, Pro Bowl punter, baby. It's like that. Like what is that? <laughs> okay, so let's not act like he hasn't drafted well on the offensive line. Come on, he's had he's had his he's had a couple of hits. All right, I'm ready. But he I'm has. Ready for, I'm ready for Jake okay. Bailey to take us to the Super Bowl. I'm ready for that. Yay! <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I couldn't help myself. God. <laughs> no, uh, at this point, like all all I'm gonna say is like I was very satisfied with with the results of their draft. They addressed many needs that they needed to uh, to to address going into the weekend. They shored up that defensive line with 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 Barmore and uh, and, and and Ronnie Perkins there. So I'm happy. I'm ha- very I'm very happy. And you know we'll get into it when we talk about the you know the winners and losers. But like I'm very happy about it. Okay, uh, Puma. Any last thoughts before we move on to winners and losers? No, no. Let's let's move this train along. uh, I'm going to start off with with the winner here. And Puma, I, you know, I like to give credit to the Dolphins when they've done something good. And one of the winners for me was the Dolphins. I mean, not only was their first-round selection, Jalen Waddell, I think a a home run. Um, I also like that Jalen Phillips, um, Jalen Phillips, will pick up out of Miami at 18. He's a defensive end. Uh, I like his skills. Uh, But even further down, they got an an offensive tackle out of Notre Dame, Liam Etchenberg. 
and what I think is gonna be is gonna be great in in Atua's development. But the key for me was when they took Connor along. I really like that kid quite a bit. The tight end out of Boston with the pick uh, with the pick number eighty one. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's gonna do wonders for 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 Tua, and you can see a concerted effort by Flo and the front office to provide as much protection and weapons as possible for for Tua because this is probably going to be his last stand. This is a the year they're going to figure out if Tua is the guy or not. And we will know by November with all these draft picks that they've, um, you know, uh, brought in on the offensive side um, if Tua is the guy or not. Yep. No, I, I liked it. I mean, when we were – when we uh, the Dolphins were on the clock and, you know, Penny Sewell was still there – um, I, I think my uh, my wife uh, Tara was trying to film like a reaction to see if I was going to get pissed if we didn't take, um, you know, uh, Penny Sewell. But you know, I, I walked away happy for the first time in like four years. I was actually happy with with the draft. Uh, you know, the 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 Jalen Waddle pick. You know, I, I loved that a ton. I I, I love the the Phillips pick as well too, just because we really didn't have that much of a pass rush and it really got exposed. In the uh, the Broncos game, uh, I believe it was like around like week seven or eight. That's when the uh, the win streak ended uh, with Tua up in uh, in Denver. But um, I, from everything that I've seen of Phillips, he really pops off the tape. He's got a lot of bend and wiggle, and he's going to get after the quarterback in, in the backfield. So I, I really loved that pick. And now with all that being said, if this is the first time I'm happy with the Dolphins draft in four years, that probably means Tua's going to get sacked awkwardly week one and break <laughs> his hip again. And now that we don't have our safety blanket and Ryan Fitzpatrick, we're fucked. But um, I'll take for I'll take what I can get at this point. I really love the uh, I love the Dolphins draft as well too. Well, Puma, I mean, how crazy is it that the uh, the roles have been flipped here, right? Um, there was there was oh years on end where you'd be the one crying on draft day, draft day, uh, but now it's you know Jay Chima's in the fucking dumps on draft day. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the life of a regular fan of a actually you know a normal NFL franchise. Yeah. Is so this how it hashtag, feels? This hashtag spoiled. Oh my Here we go. god. If this is how it feels, I don't want I don't want no part of this shit. <laughs> yeah. Um all right, who's next up for the winners? Are we doing Burge. like three each? What what are we doing? I mean, I only got like a couple, but Burge, who's yeah. your who's one of your winners? Uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna start off. I'll go with the Patriots. Oh shocker. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll go with that. the Patriots. For those Look. of you that don't know, Burge is on the payroll. Who would have thunk it? Look. <laughs> Look. They they addressed their biggest need in the first round of the draft, which, you know, I for one was shocked they actually did it, you know, because of how the last four or five years have gone with the draft. They've always moved out of of their their first round pick, but it was nice to see them stay at 15. Warranted me staying up until 1030 when I had to be up at 430 in the morning the next day to see the pick. And, you know, they got their, they got their guy, the quarterback, Mac Jones, out of Alabama. Time will tell if he actually is – you know, you know, going to be worth the pick. You know, like I said before, 50-50 chance in the first round of hitting on the quarterback, so we'll see. And, you know, I love the kid from Alabama, Christian Barmore. I know, Jay, you have, you've had some report about him being a red, having a red flag attached to him. I think that, you know, he's a great fit for him here in New England. They needed uh, to address that defensive line, you know, to go with the guys they signed with Godshaw and and. Anderson, along with Lawrence Guy, to stop the run this year. They were atrocious against the run last year, so I love that pick to uh, to shore up that. You know, Ronnie Perkins, you know, wasn't expected to be there 
when they Big picked fan. at 96. And, you know, I think that he's going to be a, you know, a great fit for that D-line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I even like the pick uh, Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma. You know, pretty much spells the end of Sony Michelle in New England, I think, with that pick. Um, right. Reports are saying that they're not going to pick up his fifth-year option. Um, he's kind of that LeGarrette Blunt-style running back, which they've kind of missed since LeGarrette Blunt left. Um, I think he's a great fit. So I, I, I like what they did. They addressed a bunch of needs that they had, especially on the you know the, the front seven on the defense and obviously the big, the big position, a quarterback. The only one thing that I would have liked to have seen done different, and it by no means affects my opinion on the draft, was them to take a wide receiver earlier than the seventh round that they took this year. Maybe they have something coming down the road in terms of a trade as, as the season gets closer. Um, to kind of get that one more receiver for the offense. And, you know, we'll see. But I'm, I was very pleased with, with, with how the draft went. As, me, as I am about the first-round pick, I, I like what they did later in the draft. Okay. Um, my other winner, and this will take into account free agency as well, um, but looking at all the moves that Cleveland Browns have made this offseason, mm-hmm. I'm actually blown away with just how, what they've done, right? I mean, we'll start off with uh, Jadavion Clowney. They signed free agency. They signed cornerback Troy Hill in free agency as well, and they signed safety John Johnson III in free agency. In the first round, they took cornerback Greg Newsom III um, uh, on Thursday night, and then they took uh, linebacker Jermay uh, Awusa-Karmoa, is that his name? Um, yep, he yep. came in the second round. But just looking at those moves, man, like Kevin Stefanski is absolutely loading up that defense. I mean, that's probably going to be one of the best defenses in all of pro football. Them and I believe the Arizona Cardinals are going to be up there. Um, but, I mean, this is just all setting up for Baker Mayfield to make a deeper run in the playoffs. I mean, they've got the offensive weapons. We don't know what's going to happen with OBJ. Um, I don't know if he's going to stay there or if he's going to be traded away. But I really like everything in a nutshell, both free agency and draft combined for the Cleveland Browns. And I think they're a big winner in my book. Yeah, uh, my winner, I really love what this team did, was the uh, the Washington football team. Um, they, they addressed a lot of needs within the first three rounds of the draft. Uh, starting off with Jamin Davis, linebacker out of uh, University of Kentucky. A lot of people had him ahead of Micah Parsons. Uh, out of Penn State, uh, but he uh, fills an immediate need. One of the, the weakest uh, parts of this Washington defense was the linebacker position. Considering who your head coach is in Ron Rivera and who your defensive coordinator is in uh, in uh, Jack Del Rio, that was kind of surprising to see that be the weak link if they immediately address that with Davis. Uh, the offensive lineman pick is Samuel Cosme out of Texas. I mean, they have to plan for life after Brandon Sheriff. They hit him with the franchise tag a second time. I'm not sure if they're actually going to get a long-term deal done with him. But uh, Cosme looks like a very solid player for the second round. It feels uh, a great need. And the uh, the pick at wide receiver, uh, the, the kid Brown out of University of North Carolina, you put him <clears throat> opposite of uh, the captain, uh, Terry McLaurin, this guy, can is, he's a burner out of North Carolina. He has a, a really nice vertical route tree, and uh, he, he can be physical. He does, he does fight for the contested balls. And, you know, right now the Washington football team, if you look at this pick in Brown, you put 
Terry McLaurin out there, Logan Thomas, a tight end who I believe is a free agent at the end of this year, but I would not be surprised if they get an extension done and lock him up for a few more years in Washington and Antonio Gibson. This is going to be a very fun offense to watch, especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the you know the ball for 5,000 yards. Now, granted, we can say what we want about the interceptions, but in this NFC East where it doesn't take a whole lot to win, <laughs> If you could shore up that defensive hole at the linebacker position and have a mini track team on offense, this is going to be an absolute fun team to watch in real life football and in fantasy football, in my opinion. Yeah, for me, for me, I I really liked what Minnesota did. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they had number fourteen. They traded back to twenty three, and they took uh, offensive tackle Christian Darrisaw. You know, shore up that offensive line for the now quarterback Kirk Cousins. And then day two, they took they took who you know was one of my top picks for the Patriots quarterback, and that's Kellen Mond. Um, you know they got their quarterback of the future on the books. You got Kirk Cousins for another two years, um, and you know they got the guy there now, which is great. Um, I think he's got a serious shot to be a, an effective NFL quarterback. And then they they also you know went with their uh, their defense there, um, Chaz Charette and. Patrick Jones. So I really like what they did. You know, the trade back, you know, in the first round, I think really played to their favor to, you know, add additional assets for the team. So I really like, uh, you know, you know what their future is going to bring. I'm excited to see in a couple of years what Kellen Mond can be. Mm-hmm. And then finally for me, um, you know, my last winner, and this is another one of those combined with free agency and draft uh, picks. I really like what the, uh, the Angeles Chargers did. Um, it's mm-hmm. obviously no, um, you know, surprise that I'm a huge Justin Herbert fan and they really needed to show up that offensive line. So they went out and they signed a uh, Corey Lindsley in free agency. Uh, they signed Jared Cook as a tight end in free agency, but then somehow Rashawn Slater fell to them in the first round, which is absolutely, you know, great for those guys. Um, they ended up taking uh, cornerback Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State in the second round. And then finally, Josh Palmer um, is a wide receiver. They took in the third round, who is kind of underrated. Um, I think he could be a potential steal. So um, go for the Chargers. They're doing whatever they can to surround uh, Justin Herbert with talent and protection. Um, and, I, and I have them as my last winner um, of the winners. Sweet. Uh, really, the only other winner I have is just Dave Gettleman. I mean, he did the most <laughs> yep. the most anti-Dave Gettleman thing throughout his entire tenure as a general manager. He's never traded back. And in my opinion, um, granted, the, the Bears had to pay up. We could all agree on that. But, I mean, I think he, he fleeced the Chicago Bears. He got... He got a yep. future first round draft pick for next year. Absolutely. He got a couple. He got a couple of second and third round draft picks for this season as well too. And you know, look at what he did with those picks. He took uh, Tony out of Florida at the wide receiver position, and they're really stacking up the offensive weapons around Daniel Jones because at the end of the season, they're going to have to figure out if they're going to pick up the fifth year option for DJ. I honestly think they are, but also at the same time, like Gettleman understands that Joe Judge is getting a lot of cachet in that building. What he's done with that team, um, and he can start to feel the fires a little bit. Of some people are kind of starting to look at him sideways, wondering if 
he is the right guy for the job. And this is a general manager of the New York football giants. And, you know, Jay, you brought this up on Saturday when we were out getting lunch before the second round started, that if he does get shipped off, at least like he is leaving the team in a position to succeed by getting future draft assets to, to mm-hmm. help this team build, build around a, a potential franchise quarterback and Daniel Jones. So I absolutely loved what Dave Gettleman did. And I wish my wife took a video of this where I, I fell down the floor and started convulsing <laughs> a little bit when when Dave Gettleman traded back. I, I, I almost died. It was like, cue the Stone Cold Steve Austin music. Breaking glass. That's what I was expecting. Yeah, I guess, I guess uh, I'll go with my final winner being uh, Kyle Trask um, getting drafted in the second round by... By Tampa Bay, I, he goes into a great situation there. Obviously, he's got the goat to uh, you know, to sit behind and learn from what, what seems like the next two years or whenever you know Tom decides to hang him up. But he couldn't have fallen in a better spot, and I I applaud Tampa for for going out and making that pick. You know, with a pretty complete roster that they have, they had kind of had a luxury to do that, and you know they get their quarterback who is presumably going to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady down there. I, I, I love the pick. Yeah, great situation with Kyle Trask, man. And, and and spot on with Kelman as well. I think I think Minnesota got them a steal, and I think eventually when Kirk Cousin moves on, I think Kelman's going to be great for them. So with that being said, let's move on to some losers. Um, for me, listen, I really have only one truthfully. I mean, we're gonna. I'm sure you guys are going to bring up Cincinnati and what they did and the giving in to their young quarterback and taking a wide receiver instead of a tackle. But for me, it really just comes down to I expected a lot out of the New England Patriots this year. But for me, they're big-time losers. And I think Bill Belichick, when we look back at this, is going to be one of his worst drafts. Um, we're going to look back and be like, my God, Nikhil Harry was was a great pick compared to what Mac Jones is going to be. So we've already hashed out what Mac Jones God. is going to be. We've given our takes on that, so I'm not going to rehash that. But moving Thank further you. along down to Christian Barrymore, the defensive tackle out of Alabama, I think this was an absolutely horrendous pick, especially with some of the red flags that are coming out about him. The fact that, you know, Alabama held him together is what one of the scouts said. Uh, and honestly, um, there's questions about Barrymore's intelligence is what another, another um, scout said. Um, there were some issues with his general accountability. Um, so I, with all those red flags, I think I think this was a little bit of um, a reach on Belichick's part. The fact especially that he gave up um, draft capital to move up. Now, I won't lie. I've said this many times. I absolutely love Ronnie Parkins in the third round. That's the one pick that I think um, is going to be wonderful. The guy's explosive. He's long. He's lean. Every single time I watched Oklahoma, he popped, so no complaints there. However, moving further down, uh, I was not the biggest fan of the running backs that took in the fourth round. I mean, I think running backs are a dime a dozen. You can find them all over the spot. I, whatever. I mean, for me, it's just a black pick. But then the, the pick that really kind of got me thinking a little bit sideways was in round five with uh, number 177 overall, Cameron McGrone, which is a linebacker out of Michigan. Um, he has eventually, you know, is going to play for us, but not this year. looks like Belichick himself said there might be some issues with him not being prepared this year because he has torn ACL as of last November. Um, so he might just kind of be 
be sitting out this year and will be coming up. Um, uh, he'll, he'll be playing with us in 2022, which the question begs to be asked, could you not have found somebody else in that spot? Um, this goes back to the argument I was trying to make earlier. It seems like he's just leaning on people he knows within these colleges. Apparently, Josh McDaniel's brother works at Michigan, and now we're starting to see you know Chase Vinovich, Josh Luce, now this Cameron McGrone guy. Uh, just lazy picking all around uh, over for Belichick. And then finally, a sixth round, seventh rounder. Who cares? These guys are not really going to pan out. You take a flyer on these guys. You took jo- Joshua Bledsoe never heard of this kid and then the wide receiver we waited until the round seven um, to take a wide receiver because i mean at the end of the day our, our wide receiver group is still not great i mean it's up to par but we still need some pieces there and it looks like they punted in the uh the, the draft for wide receiver so all in all i think belichick had another bad draft um this is now five years in a row um there's a reason why i call him belford and it's because of moves like this and thought process like this i'm not touching <sighs> All right, it's my turn for losers because I got two. I got one that's a team and one that's a person. And my biggest loser that's a team, I'm just going to go back to back because I'll keep it brief, is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Trevor Lawrence is the slam dunk number one overall pick. I understand it. You got to put asses in the seats in Jacksonville. You haven't put out a great product. There's rumors that you're going to be moving to, to London um, you, you got shot down by the the local government trying to expand out the the you know game day experience by kind of tr- you know creating a patriot place esque environment around the stadium and Jacksonville to their credit said no which is asinine to me but um, okay that's well within your prerogative then you get down to the twenty fifth pick in the in the first round and you take Travis Etienne now. I wouldn't have an issue with the pick if, uh, you know, there wasn't a fellow by the name of James Robinson out there who can Mm -hmm. do both the thumper roll out of the backfield and can also catch the ball out the backfield as well, too. And when it doesn't help when your new head coach comes out and says my 25th overall pick is going to be a third down receiving back. What what the fuck are we doing here? Like what what are we doing here? And then you have the general manager uh, Trent Balky, the former general manager of the 49ers, apparently doing Trent Balky like things. If you follow 49er beat reporters, when he took two position uh, two players that were coming off of devastating ACL injuries in the uh, in the second and the third round in Walker Little and Andre Cisco, like this team in the words of the great Will Brinson, is about to Andrew Luck, the number one draft pick <laughs> out of the uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it is, it is frustrating. It is asinine. You, you should have started. You, you could have gotten offensive lineman at 25. You, you could have did something of value in the second round where, you know, the guy actually has functioning ACLs. But no, this is this is what you do. This is the best that you can freaking come up with is Travis Etienne, the third down back. I tweeted this out there. Did James Robinson die? Like I thought James Robinson died just by the fact that they drafted Travis Etienne. And then my second loser, and I'm actually going to try to keep this brief, but we all know I'm, this is a lie, is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is the biggest loser out of this draft. And I know we didn't talk a whole lot about the situation, but I'll bring all the listeners up to speed. So three hours before the draft, Adam Schefter is on the NFL NFL Live pre-show for the draft and immediately tells the producers out in Bristol to go to commercial. I have to break a story. And the story was Aaron Rodgers went 
AC-130 gunship on the Green Bay Packers draft and said, I want out of Green Bay. I might actually retire. I don't like what's been going on around here. And everyone was expecting Aaron Rodgers to be shipped for a bevy of draft picks and they're going to make it happen. And Mark Schlereth is coming out there saying, Oh, it's a done deal with Denver. Well, long story short, nothing happened. Green Bay did what they needed to do, and they needed to address the defensive side of the football. They got a cornerback because uh, Desmond King was torched in the NFC Championship game. It would be nice to actually have a defense that can hold the lead, which is something the Green Bay Packers haven't done in a long time. You had to replace the center that signed with the Los Angeles Chargers. They got one in the second round. And then they drafted a wide receiver in the third round whose comp is a Randall Cobb-esque player. But no, don't say that to all the Aaron Rodgers defenders out there because apparently for the last 20-something years or whatnot, uh, the Green Bay Packers have done wrong by him. But let's not re- you know forget the fact that he's a three-time NFL MVP, one-time Super Bowl champion, and the the biggest prima fucking Donna I have ever seen in my entire life. If he wants to retire, go retire. Go play. Go host Jeopardy. I'll go pack your fucking bags. I will drive to Boulder, Colorado, where I think that's where you're living now with your new wife. I will pack your bags. Hers too. I will pack the bags and I will drive you two jackasses to the goddamn Jeopardy studio. I'm tired of it. You're going to come out in here and say that you are unhappy because Jake Kumaro, who also doubled as as the stunt double for uh, uh, Jesus Christ in The Passion of the Christ, the Mel Gibson movie, because that's what he looked like with the full beard. And the fact that Jordan Love got drafted last year, that's why you want out of town? Go for it. Go retire. Go cut a $20 million check to the Green Bay Packers and go host Jeopardy. Fuck out of here, bro. Do you think he's uh, the starting quarterback week one for the Packers or no? Fuck yeah, he's going to be the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. He's not going to, one, take a pay cut to go host Jeopardy, and two, cough up $20 million back to the Green Bay Packers, who he feels has wronged him. And I don't think... Is the trade going to happen this year? No way. Like, they can't eat that $38 million dead cap hit. But could it happen next year when the cap hit's only going to be $22 million? Yeah, that's palpable like we saw that with Odell Beckham Jr. where the the Giants had to hold their nose and eat a a, a dead cap sandwich but it's a lot better than being crippled by 38 million but he'll be starting next year he'll fucking show up wait a minute so wasn't after June 1st of this year is when the cap pick can go down or did I read that wrong somewhere I think it goes down but it's it's not it's not enough to stomach like the 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 cap hit and the potential of what happens if a player gets hurt. Now you're not going to have enough salary cap to sign somebody to replace, uh, replace somebody. Like the only way that a trade like this could work is not only just draft picks, but now you're going to have to get young star talent on rookie contracts to make the cap hit work. And I don't think a lot of people are going to be willing to part ways with maybe two or three young athletes on rookie contracts that are going to that are going to be worth it. You're not going to get fair value for Aaron Rodgers. Like that that is know, what man. the Green Bay Packers are going to have to understand is like you're no matter what, like you're never going to get fair value for for Aaron Rodgers. You're not going to get fair value for Russell Wilson who's been a squeaky wheel too or Deshaun Watson prior to his legal issues. Like yeah, all the draft picks in the world are great, but like you have to hit on those. You're also going to need to cough up players and I don't think a lot of people are going to do that, especially well, the way the rookie pay structure is. 
Well, let's say we take into account what Mark Schler said, and maybe there is a deal done, you know, on the hush-hush that after June 1st, this thing can go official. What if, you know, Denver gives them, let's say, I don't know, two or three first-rounders and Jerry Judy? If I'm the Packers, Mm-mm. I am taking that in a heartbeat and running with it. because I mean, You give me Jerry real. Judy and Bradley, and Bradley Chubb, maybe I'll think about it because that defense well, is still a fucking problem. Well, all of this really comes down to one thing. How good, how good is Jordan Love? Is he ready? Because if he is, then, I mean, the Packers are sitting in a great position. They could start their young quarterback. They can get out from underneath Aaron Rodgers. They can get a shit ton back for him and help build a future for Jordan Love. Like, I think if Jordan Love is ready, you you could see uh, Aaron Rodgers being moved down. Now, the other part of this, you know, I agree with you, Puma. I think Aaron Rodgers is just a baby, man. He is absolutely one of the biggest babies ever. I mean, like, I don't know what he's complaining about. The last two years, he's been, what, 26-4 and four in the regular season? He's been to two NFC Championship games. And, you know, in the second one, there was a chance if he played better, he could have beaten Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and gone to the Super Bowl. But I agree with your all sentiment. The guy's a baby. And I, I think there could be a really good chance he's not a Packer next year. I just don't want him hosting Jeopardy. You know, just get, you know what? Just go host Jeopardy. Just no. I'm, I'm I'm slowly becoming no. the Pete Prisco at Prisco CBS on Twitter of the podcast. Go host Jeopardy. I'll pack your bags. I can't I can't do this passive aggressive bullshit. And then when Tyler Dunn of the Bleach Report at the time writes this expose about Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy and everyone their brother and the biggest uh you know supporter of AA Ron and Mike Silver is like refuting everything that Tyler Dunn said I don't know if you want to reread the article now and then look at how things have played out yeah I like to think Tyler Dunn hit on a lot of things that he said about Aaron Rodgers go 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 take a pay cut no there's, there's no secret he's kind of a crappy human being I mean you look at these excommunicated his family. You, all you've heard was he's been pissed off since Jordan Love has been here. He just went out and rattled off an MVP season. He's got no reason to be upset up in Green Bay. You know, they, they have, you know, his offense, They he's got the weapons around him. You can claim that he doesn't have them, but, you know, they just re-signed Aaron Jones up there. He is a big baby, and for that reason, because I actually enjoy watching Jeopardy, I mm. want no part of him near that show. Mm-hmm. I watched him for the last two weeks, and I wanted to pull my hair out. And you also got to think too, like if you keep hearing these reports that Aaron Rodgers thinks he doesn't have all, all you know, all world weapons around him. Like, how do you think like that resonates in the locker room where Aaron Jones? Mm-hmm. Had balled out of his mind as a top five running back in the NFL. Devontae Adams is an yeah. all-world wide receiver. And you have a all-pro left tackle and David Bakhtiari. Like, how do you think that resonates in the locker room? Like, at some point, that is going to start rubbing people the wrong way. Like, did you, go, go did pack you, your bags. Did you see what Devontae Adams tweeted out earlier today? Yeah, I saw that. What was it? You got to appreciate what you got what you when, got, when you, you got it. something? Yeah. 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 Like, th- th- you can tell it's starting to affect them up there. And, you know, me as a fantasy owner of Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers better be the freaking quarterback next year. And he better mm-hmm. be freaking happy and better toe the line because I need him. <laughs> yeah. But, no, like, it's fine. It's Jordan just... Love's going to ball out. I hope so. But, well, 
Well, I mean, that's that's a great point. And like Puma, you're the biggest Jordan Love fan. I remember last year you were basically all but sucking his peen come out of draft day. Like, do you think he's ready? I mean, obviously we haven't seen him last year in spring ball, but there's reports coming. I'm sorry, in uh, in preseason ball, but there's reports coming out that you know some days he looks great, like the next you know uh, Patrick Mahomes, but some days he looks pretty bad. Like, I mean, it's a very mixed bag of reporting coming out of Green Bay for uh, for uh, our boy. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him. I still believe in the talent. I like him a whole lot. And, you know, let's not forget this. Aaron Rodgers wasn't God's gift of football when he got drafted, too. There was a couple of preseasons where he started, and there were serious questions being asked to Mike McCarthy and inside that building if Aaron Rodgers was going to make the the, the, the the 52-man roster. Like, there were mm-hmm. legit questions that he might have been cut early in his career and you know the kid he had he had enough time and enough time to develop and he is the guy that he is now so and green bay has shown that they are going to be patient with their first round quarterbacks that they draft so i i think jordan love is going to get a lot of uh a wide berth in his development and i think that you know with the pieces around jordan love and the type of offense that's being run and i don't think jordan love is going to be the squeaky wheel bitching about audibles and whatnot he might actually execute the system of matt lafleur the way it's supposed to be executed now i understand rogers won an mvp but we also have to remember the year before when for about a month and a half the big news cycle was is Aaron Rodgers going to be able to call an audible in the play? How does this work? What do you do with this, the play and the check? And th- th- it's just so asinine. Like, give the give Jordan Love enough time to develop. We're actually going to have preseason games this year. We're going to see what he is. But I'll tell you this much. If he has a rough outing in preseason, I'm not going to be running him out of town because I'll just go find old highlights of Aaron Rodgers when he almost had to be sent on the bus. <clears throat> All right, um, Burge, any uh, last losers before we move on? Uh, yeah, just one I wanted to touch on is uh, is the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they traded what seems like their entire offensive line this this offseason. You know, Rodney Hudson getting shipped out and, you know, Trent Brown getting sent to the Patriots. And, you know, they, they really didn't do enough to address that. You know, Derek Carr, they have their quarterback, you know, say what you want about him, but, like, they have him there. They have a great running game, you know, with Josh Jacobs and now with Kenny and Drake there. And, obviously, they, you know, have the receivers. You know, Henry Ruggs is there, was brought in, and they reached in their first round for their offensive lineman, taking Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama, and then they didn't take another offensive lineman until the seventh round. And it just seems like... It seems like they didn't do enough to address that side, that major need for that team. And you know, it, if I was a Josh Jacobs fantasy owner, I'd be uh, I'd be very concerned. And I, I I just think that they could have done more. And you know, to me, you know, outside of the obvious, you know, with the Bengals not addressing their offensive line, they're the Raiders are one of the biggest uh, the biggest losers in that department for me. That's it. Yeah, I couldn't believe it took Alex Leatherwood at 17, man. That that was absolutely insane. Um, now, obviously, I think, Puma, you brought this up. Like, there's actually going to be some sort of changes in the front office for the Raiders going forward? Yeah, that was a report by some of the, the 
the Vegas beat reporters. Um, I forget the the main guy's name, but he writes for the Athletic. Um, but he uh, he was saying that they they expect some uh, some heads to to be rolling after the the first the pick in the first round of Alex Leatherwood. So I don't know what that means. Maybe the head scouting uh, head guy in the scouting department is going to be gone because I don't think John Gruden's going anywhere. I think Mike Mayock might get another draft to to you know get shit going, but. Yeah, heads are gonna roll in that scouting department, definitely. Yeah, I mean, what was he? What was he mocking at? Like late second, early third? Is that where Leatherwood was supposed to go? That's kind of what it looked like, yeah, and they yeah. took him at what was it, seventeen? Seventeen. That's that's a reach. That's a bad pick, man. But still, better pick than Mac Jones. Moving on. <laughs> uh, don't even start, man. Just get us on Twitter. You'll see us going back and forth, man. That's all you got to do. All right. Well, listen. Now, uh, winners and losers. Um, you know that uh, that segment has ended. So let's move on to the bullets with Burge. All you, brother. All right. So it was a very interesting, uh, interesting draft in terms from a dynasty perspective. I'm about uh, getting ready to to dive into one of my league's uh, rookie drafts, uh, probably starting either late tomorrow or Wednesday morning. So, you know, I own I own six picks uh, in the draft. It's three rounds. Uh, you know, kind of touched on this uh, on previous podcasts. But there was definitely some some very intriguing landing spots uh, for some of these rookies, and definitely some that were kind of like uh, you know meh, you know you don't know what to expect uh, coming out of that. You know, the the consensus right now for you know your top overall pick uh, is Najee Harris, who who landed in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. There, um, they have an obvious need for a running back with James Con- Connor bolting for Arizona. Um, there's still some concern with him. You know, they didn't really address their offensive line issues there. So, you know, time will tell, you know, whether Najee Harris will, will succeed there. Um, the, the other interesting landing spot, uh, Puma, you kind of touched on it in the uh, losers segment, was uh, Travis Etienne going to Jacksonville. You know, he was billed as, you know, the second running back uh, coming out of, uh, uh, in terms of fantasy, out of this draft. And the landing spot for him hurt his draft stock big time. You know, I kind of, you know, if I'm looking for somebody that I want to play for me immediately next year, he's not the guy. Too many question marks going into that. Um, the receivers, you know, you had Jamar Chase going to Cincinnati, which is a great landing spot for him, playing with his quarterback, you know, despite their offensive line issues. Um, I think that is a, uh, is, is a great fit for him. Um, Jalen Waddell, we talked about it. Great fit in Miami. Uh, Devonta Smith got a great fit in, in Philadelphia. You know, they don't really have anybody else there. They have Jalen Rieger, um, but they don't really have anybody else there. Um, for one for me that I'm going to stay away from in, in, in the rookie draft is Rashad Bateman, who ended up in Baltimore. You know, they don't really have fantasy producing wide receivers. Um, you know, I, that part of that's probably in play because of Lamar Jackson and, you know, the style of offense they run there, uh, being run heavy. Um, the quarterbacks you could see go higher in the rookie drafts this year. You know, Trevor Lawrence, you know, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, you know, among others. And one of my kind of sleepers that I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping falls to me in my rookie dra- draft is Trey Sermon, who ended up in, in San Francisco. Obviously, they have a run-heavy offense there. They have, you know, Tevin Coleman's gone um, out of that offense and – you know, Raheem Mostert's getting up there in age, can't stay healthy. So he's a very intriguing, uh, intriguing receiver there. So, you know, hopefully next time we record this pod, I can, uh, I can let you know the results of my rookie draft. You know, uh, there's going to be a lot of trades of picks and stuff uh, going on there. But, 
you know, hoping for a successful one. Do you know where uh, you pick yet, or is that something you guys do on the fly? No, we uh, we pick based on on standings from the last year. So mm-hmm. I. Uh, I, I was a, a a victim of bad luck because, you know, fantasy is a crapshoot. You know, it's luck once you have your team. So I picked number four out of ten in the draft. I was the highest scoring team in fantasy last year, and I missed the playoffs. Hmm. So just, just pure luck. So I pick at four. So, you know, you know I, I assume Harris, Chase will be off the board one, two, at three, kind of like the NFL draft. It's kind of a toss-up. Do you want to go running back at three? The person ahead of me will go, you know, running back. Etn, Javante Williams, who kind of landed in a favorable spot uh, in Denver, um, or do they go, you know, with the tight end Kyle Pitts, or do they go receiver with Waddle or Smith? So I'm kind of in a in an interesting position. Um, I'm tossing around the idea of trying to trade back in my draft to, you know, kind of have the decision made for me. But I can't really go wrong with, you know, with, with who I'm going to end up with at at, at the fourth overall pick. Now, when you trade back, are you going to trade back for compensation or coupons? No. <laughs> Got him. I, I, I consider coupons, uh, you know, assets. So uh, if I trade back, and I, you know what, even if I got to wait a year or two for those for those picks, cause we can trade, we can trade future year draft picks. So if I got to trade four to seven to get. Two seconds in 2022, I, you know, that's I'm not going to complain about that kind of return. Obviously, I'm going to shoot for more, but uh, I think I think based because I've had discussions with people about possibly trading back, I think I'm going to end up picking at four. So you know, we'll we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I'm not going to I'm not going to pull Patriots this year. I'm not going to trade back. I'm just going to take my guy. Spoken like a true Belichick disciple. Bella, go! Oh Jesus Christ! All right. Okay. Cool. Cool. So that that um, kind of wraps it up. Awesome. All right. So, fellas, we're at seventy-five minutes. Do you guys want to get to anything else, or do you guys want to wrap it up? Aaron, let me know where the address is, and I'll show up and pack. I'll pack your fucking bags. <laughs> Fuck Jay, Jay, guy. Jay, you want to you want to get into it? Get into what? <laughs> you know, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I've never said to get into. I, I've already made my case. I mean, I got nothing else to say, man. The guy, the guys. We just, we, uh, we can keep uh, arguing. I'm okay. I've, I've, uh, I've had enough of that. I've, uh, uh, good I man. To, good man. I need to, I need to, uh, you know, mentally get right. I need to get on board with this. You know, I want to, I don't want to hate my team for the next three years. I'm in a bad city position. I haven't had anything positive out of the Patriots for about a year and a half now. So, so listen, man, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if this all works out and it's a, it's a grandmaster plan, then great. I'll be the first one to admit that I was wrong. Unfortunately, I just don't see it. And this pick, of Mac Jones is going to be looked at as one of the worst picks he's made. I'll be here slamming that in your face when that time comes. <laughs> Can't wait. Oh, Can't wait. I know Puma's going to be bashing his head off the wall. He might knock himself out before the end of the pod. No, Aaron Rodgers will probably kill me when I show up at your house with a U-Haul, being like, "Hey, pack your. Sh- Tell me what's no going in the truck. No Jeopardy. I'll drive you to. I'll drive you to Jeopardy. No." Deal with it. You and Chantel are going to have to deal with that shit. I can't no deal way. with prima donna nonsense. You can stand there with a blazer doing his stupid hosting gimmick. I don't, oh I don't fucking God. care. Fuck this hey, guy. Hey, hey, I don't know if you saw any of the episodes, but there was um, one of the guys' answers to Final Jeopardy was, uh, who? Dis- I wouldn't have made that kick either. 
kind of making the joke. Yeah. From the and he was just kind of like oh ha 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 ha, kind of like trying to like not say anything stupid. Like you knew you you thought it was funny. And he, he agreed with it, but he couldn't say anything. It was it was awkward. Go host Jeffrey. Go. Host. No. Anywho. <laughs> Let's get the hell out of here. It's almost yeah. 11 o'clock and my wife's going to kill me. I know. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Anywho. And now, you know, uh, Liz Taylor, do you have any last word before I plug it up or, or what? Uh, no. I just uh, I just want to make it known to everybody that after the draft on Thursday night, I've officially retired Bella Fraud. And now he's moved over into the Bella shit um, arena. So from here on further, you can't let it go, can you? You can't let from, it go, can you? From, from here on out, we are in the hands of Bella shit. But there seems to be some light at the end of the horizon. Looks like they're actually you know trying to rein him in, uh, trying to give him some input to the draft, and that's oh well applauded. So thank you, Robert Kraft, for doing something useful. Well, well done to get the last word in there. When I prompted <laughs> you that to note, get to it, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna. <laughs> Bella, get the hell out of here. Uh, this episode of the podcast and previous ones can be found on uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Google Play, uh, Stitcher, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts under Pro Football Radio Podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple. That helps us with some kind of algorithm in the back end of things uh, to be promoted and more easily found. So five-star review, greatly appreciated. Social media, Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter at PFR Podcast. I'm on the Twitter machine, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. And our senior analyst, senior contributor, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge, is on the Twitter machine at Burge the Goalie. Uh, definitely check him out for him going hard in the paint with Jay over Bella Shit, over Bella Goat, <laughs> Mac Jones versus Big Mac, Big McCorkle, um, Dad Bod. Also check him out to, for his Tuka Rask hot take victory laps that he's probably going to end up sending out before he goes to sleep tonight because I already did uh, it. Be- he already did it while recording. He's a man of many hats and traits. Uh, but yeah, I would be doing it too if my uh, hockey team made the playoffs. But definitely check him out at Birch the Goalie. Otherwise, that's all I got. Let's get the hell out of here. It really um, get... sounds great when somebody else says fellowship. It really flows off the tongue. My Twitter handle's going to change. <laughs> all right. See you guys next week. Goodbye. Adios.